Jacob Arminius was a teacher of teachers. He was a lecturer at the University of Leiden in Holland. And he died in 1609. So just after William Perkins died, James Arminius or Jacob Arminius died. And James Arminius was a teacher in Holland where Calvinism and Presbyterianism had taken root. So the doctrines that Calvin wrote in the book, The Institutes of the Christian Religion, were commonly taught in Holland. However, James Arminius, when he was teaching at the university, realized that he disagreed on at least five points with the doctrines of John Calvin. And I'd like to talk to you about those disagreements and as C.S. Lewis titles one of the chapters in his books, And What Came After. (laughs) James Arminius disagreed with the accepted church of his day and he trained pastors to disagree in five points. Then he died. And the pastors that he had trained, about 300 of them, gathered together. This is in chapter 33 in the books, by the way. 33 or 32? One right after the Huguenots. 32, eh? And the pastors that he trained gathered together and complained to the church in Holland. It's in chapter 32, especially on page 143. And they complained to the church leaders in Holland that what they were teaching was unbiblical. So they wrote up what is called in history the remonstrance. Remonstrance. It means the answer. They gave an answer. And so they were called the remonstrance. Remonstrance with an NTS. This is the people who answered. And remonstrance with a different ending. And CE is the answer that the people gave. In their answer, they answered five points. And you can't read this much better. If you'd like a copy of the chart by Bunyan, here it is. The five points on which they disagreed were these. Number one, they said John Calvin's teaching that man is unable to search after God is too harsh. So you shouldn't say man is unable. You should say that grace has made him able. So that's the first thing they said. We we don't agree on that point. Let's not say that. Now, does anyone remember about four weeks ago, the lecture on Pelagius? Does anyone remember that view? What what was Pelagius' view about man? Man, man's good. He's, He's got a pretty good heart. He just saw a bad example with all the people around him. So we've seen a bad example with Adam, 
but he hasn't passed on anything to us. Arminius was not Pelagius. But what, didn't I tell you there were three views? There was the Pelagian view or the Augustinian view. What was that third view? Caleb. Cassian. Semi-Pelagian. Semi. It's right in the middle there. There's going to be Pelagian. Man's good. Then there's semi-Pelagian. And then there's Augustinian. So the semi-Pelagian view has been championed by Arminius. The semi-Pelagian view is something like, to give you a metaphor, man is sick. The Augustinian view, man is dead. The Pelagian view, man is shop. And the semi-Pelagian view, man is sick and he needs the medicine. Arminius said, man is sick. Second point, Arminius said, and this idea of election, God elected based on a condition. God looked down time as if it were a tunnel. He's, he's back at the beginning of the world and he's looking forward through a tunnel. And at the end of the tunnel, he sees what's going to happen when the gospel comes to Ludovicus. He sees what's going to happen when the gospel comes to Andre. And so based on that condition, that's why God chose. Now that's different from John Calvin who said, God chose independent of man. The third point on which um, Arminius disagreed was that God gives grace to every man to overcome this inability that came from the fall. This Augustinian death, you remember the views? Pelagianism, Augustinianism. The Augustinian death, uh, 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 Arminius said, but God gives grace to overcome that death and he gives it to every man. And they would use verses like John chapter 12, if I die, if I am lifted up, I will draw all men to me. So see, see there, he's drawing all men. And then John 1 verse, is it verse 9? He is the light who lights Every man who comes into the world. See there? Every man who comes into the world. They might come in dead, but quick as, quick as their death comes, the light comes and it takes them out of a dead state and takes them into a only mostly dead. Puts them just to the middle position here so that we've got the people who are good, the people who are dead, and then the third group. And then on the fifth point that Arminius disagreed. He said, men can and have fallen away. Now the pastors that he trained, they put a question mark there and said, we're not sure about this, but we think maybe that men can fall away. And they would use verses like Hebrews, the verses we're memorizing here at Grace Bible. Hebrews 3, 12, 13, and 14. Hebrews 6, the verse we're memorizing this week. Hebrews 6, 4, 5, and 6. They would say, look at that verse. It looks to us like you have someone who is chosen by God because God saw their faith. But now, now they don't have faith anymore. So they disagreed on those five points. And those five points made up the answer of the answerers. Well, what happened? In 1619, that's an important year. In 1619... All the Dutch 
churches met at a synod. And the synod was done in a place called Dort or Dortrecht. And they met at the synod of Dort and they came here to discuss the answer of the answerers, the remonstrance. And they said, we got to settle this because this is an important issue. And on point number one, they stood with Augustine. We all reject Pelagius. And they even rejected semi-Pelagius and they went right to Augustine. Can anyone think of a Bible verse that would support the Augustinian view that men are dead, not sick or just in a, in a state between life and death? Can anyone think of a Bible verse that would support that? Ephesians 2.1. Ephesians 2.1. And you were dead in your sins. Right. And then verses, because the Arminians might come back and say, you were, past tense. You're not anymore. Ah, but read verses 2 and 3, and it explains, at what time were you dead? You were dead before you believed. Yeah, so everyone, before they believed, what was their spiritual state? Dead. Jesus said, the world hates me. That doesn't sound like they're partly alive. John 7, verse 7. Jesus says, the condemnation is on you already. John 3, 18. It says, men love darkness rather than light. John 3, 19. It says, you're children of Satan. How can it get any more condemning than that? Well, Paul quoted this recently. 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural man has no ability. He has nothing. Romans 5.6, when you are without strength, you've got nothing. Titus 1, verse 15, unbelievers have a kind of insanity. They can't choose God. They're insane. And those are only some, and maybe the strongest verse. Titus 3, verse 3, before you believed You were filled with seven terrible marks. Unbelieving, doubtful, hating God and hating one another. So if the first one's true, then how are the others going to stand? Well, the one on election. Ah, This can be very controversial, but it's not controversial because it's not clear. Things can be controversial because they're just unclear. Who exactly was right between the fight with the man and his wife? But sometimes things are very clear. And we just don't like them because it's going to mean we have to pay a big price. Or it means in this case, we are going to have to go very low. And we don't like humility. Let's just be honest about it. And in the second point, Did God look through a tunnel of time and choose men? Friends, there's simply no verse in the Bible that teaches that. That is what you call eisegesis. It's not in the Bible. The way books on Arminianism argue for this, and I have three of the best or most popular books on Arminianism in my library, plus I have the works of Arminius himself. And in those books, they do not set out an exegetical case. They do not open their Bible and say, Here's why we believe that God looked down through the tunnel of time and saw faith. What they say is, well, since we know this, then it has to be that God looked down through the tunnel of time and saw the faith. That's eisegesis. But what the text says repeatedly, Romans 8 verse 29, it says explicitly, God elected them. He elected the people. It doesn't say he elected the faith. Or It says explicitly. And it says that he foreknew those people, Romans 8, 29, 
For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate. What did he foreknow? He didn't foreknow the faith. He foreknew the people. It's explicit. Ephesians 1 verse 4. Before the foundation of the world, he chose us in him. Now, we may not like it because it's amazingly humbling. We may not like it because it is beyond us. And it sets up a God who boggles our minds and overwhelms us with fear and reverence and awe, and even with kinds of emotions which we are not accustomed to. We have no shelves in, our, in the mental warehouse on which to put these things. But good preachers are shelf builders, and I'm trying to build shelves for you right now. You need to have a shelf in your mind for God's sovereignty and put all those verses about God choosing, put them on there, and then you've got a shelf. And pretty soon the shelf will be so full you'll realize it's not a rare statement here and there. It's the uniform testimony of Scripture. Well, the third point. So if you get the first two points down, the rest, they just fall like dominoes. On the third point, Christ, did he die for every man? The fourth, I'm just going to go quickly through these now for the time. Christ, did he die for every man? The fourth point, did Christ give Grace to all men who come into the world. That's called prevenient grace that he raised everyone up to this state where they now have, uh, they're in a condition of semi-life or, or just a sickness. And that, that goes with the first point as well. And then the fifth point, persevering. Will they persevere to the end? That is, again, a position that is not difficult at all to defend from Scripture. The Bible is repeatedly clear My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they will never perish. Neither will any man take them out of my Father's hand. My Father who gave them to me is greater than all, and no man can take them out of my Father's hand. That sounds pretty clear, explicit. And there are many more beside, but probably the strongest is this, for by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. Is the gift of God, not of works. But if it is that I can choose to get out of Christ, then it is my choosing, it is my works that keep me in. And if it's my works that keep me in, then you've just destroyed sola fide, sola gratia, solus Christus. That doctrine is also often called eternal security. And it's the fifth one of the answers that the answerers gave. So I remember Piper saying one time, one of the charges against Calvinist believers in the doctrines of grace by the Arminians would be, it's logical. logical. They base it all off logic. And Piper said... Uh, he see that he thinks the exact opposite. He would say the biblical view is Calvinist, and when you hear the Arminians talk about their view, it's all based off their own man-made logic. This is what makes sense to me. Have you found that to be true? And if so, can you give a couple examples, maybe, of people who who have argued that way? I 